This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I want to say something this morning that I started off this series with, and I want you to get it this morning because I don't want you to be satisfied with what happened last week, the week before, the week before, the week before, or the encounter weekend, or the deeper night. Um, There is more. So you have to make a choice this morning whether you're going to receive the more of God this morning or are you going to be satisfied with what you've had in the last month? I don't know about you. Oh, that was all three of you. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) I don't know about you, but I I sat in my office yesterday afternoon and I had this little, I don't even know where the song came from. I don't even know. I've never even heard of the group really before. And as I was just listening to some worship preparing my message, this song came clicked in and started playing, and about three minutes in, I am just an absolute bawling mess on my floor in my office, just significantly touched by the Holy Spirit. And I, and I think what struck me yesterday was that it doesn't have to take an hour. It was one minute. It was a second. God just starts speaking to me, and I'm a mess. And so I want you to know this morning, no matter where you've come from, no matter what your background is, no matter what your church background is, Um, I don't know about you, but when I read the book of Acts, I keep coming away with the same thought. I want that. I don't know what they had, but they transformed their natural world at that time without the use of the internet. I'm in. I'm in. There is more. Our our kind of theme verse is Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And I want you to catch something here this morning. Something very, very simple, but I want you to catch it. And it says, it will be that afterwards I will pour out my spirit on All flesh. Say all flesh. flesh. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. Can I say this morning, as as I was preparing this week for this message, this term or this thought, all flesh, kept just hitting me over and over and over again. And I kept hearing this phrase over and over and over again. There's no limits. There's no limitations with God. The only thing that we can limit him by is by our own choice, by our own decisions, and by our own lack of faith. And so God does not limit anything. He's not putting any age limits on it. Like a bobblehead doll this morning. There's no age limit. Sometimes we hear that and we go, well, you know, God's just going to touch people in whatever way he wants to, and God's going to sovereignly move. And, I, and my response is, how about you... W- Just make up your mind today to say, God, I want you to touch me because I'm going to live my life for you. I'm going to just lay it all down. I'm going to live for you with total abandonment. That's what I'm going to do. When I grew up at King Street, we had this move of God. It was one of the most amazing moves of God. And you know what generation it hit? The kids. There were two significant people that were touched that month. One was a nine-year-old boy and one was an 11-year-old girl. And they were the ones that the pastor used for the next six months to pray over people at the altar. People were set free, filled with the Holy Spirit, and healed instantly by the time that those kids touched their head. So don't limit your age. Some, some of you say, well, I've been around church my whole life, and I've experienced that, and I'm good. And, I, and my response to you is, there's more. There's no limits. There's no age limits. There's no previous experience limits. Well, I've never experienced that before. There's no limits, right? There's no social class limits. There's no career limits. I'm thankful for that. 
There's no gender limits. There's nothing. The only limit is what you choose to put into place to say how much you want of God or how, how little you want Him. A.W. Tozer, uh, great quote, I love this. It says, The Holy Spirit speaks to thirsty hearts whose longings have been wakened by the touch of God within them. Oh, come on, get a hold of that this morning. Get a hold of that this morning. Amen? I'm going to read that again. The Holy Spirit speaks to thirsty hearts whose longings have been wakened by the touch of God within them. I want to share this morning some very simple thoughts in order to set us up for where I'm going to go this morning. I want to share with you a pattern that happens in the New Testament that's repeated by different groups of people that I want you to catch because how many know if there's ever a pattern in Scripture, we have to take that seriously. We have to look at it and we say, okay, if there's a pattern for Jesus and there was a pattern for the disciples, maybe, just maybe, there's a pattern for us today. Right? And so I'm one of those guys where I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily like coming up with something new. I like to go with what God's always said. Because when God's always said it, it means I'm not kind of stepping out on a limb here and trying to, to inspire you to something that's beyond what we could ever believe for. What I want you to believe for this morning is a book of Acts outpouring. Are we good? Just so we're good? Just so there's no misunderstanding? I'm not leading you up the garden path. I believe that we as a church need the Acts to experience every single day of our lives in order to do what God's called us to do. We good? All right. All right, some of you are tracking with me. Some of you are like, you don't know what my kids did to me this week. <laughs> you, know? you can just see it in your eyes. Deer caught in a headlight look. It's all good. But we're going somewhere this morning. Amen? Amen. So, first thing is this. Jesus was, in a sense, conceived and birthed or born by the Spirit. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, it says, And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived, birthed by, born by the Spirit of God. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. Second thing was this, Jesus was baptized in the Spirit. Luke 3, 21 to 22, it says, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. There's a, a, an experience of filling of the Spirit of God at that place where the Spirit of God baptizes you, but there's a third thing that I want you to catch this morning. Some ways the word baptized and empowered can be interchanged or interchangeable, but I'm just causing, causing a little bit of a distinction here this morning. The third thing was Jesus was empowered by the Spirit. Interestingly enough, Jesus did not start His ministry until He was empowered by the Spirit of God. So He obviously saw the significance of it. Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about Him spread through the whole countryside. Now I want you to understand that power was not just for miracles. Power was not just for manifestations. Power was to expand, extend and to expand the kingdom of God on the earth using every means possible. I don't know about you, but, well, I shouldn't really use this as an analogy because I really don't, have never used a screwdriver in my life, so I don't know. <laughs> I've held one. I have held one in my hand. And I have taken a picture, like a selfie with one in my hand, just saying, hey, I'm, I'm actually handy in the spirit. I'm just not handy in the flesh. You know what I'm saying? And so from what I, this, I'm a basic, simple guy. And I think to myself, if I had, you know, 20 screws that I had to screw in, and I had a screwdriver, a choice between a screwdriver or a power drill, I'm taking the power drill every single time. 
far more effective, far more quicker. You can do more things a lot quicker. And so I want you to understand that you know, the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation is awesome. He comes. He takes residence in your life. He is there. He's convicting. He's challenging you. He's empowering you in a sense that He wants you to see a greater scope or greater picture of the gospel message uh, in your life. But there was something different that happened to Jesus just before He stepped into His ministry. It literally says He was empowered by the Spirit of God. You know what's interesting? The disciples had the same pattern happen to them. So, disciples were born of the Spirit. John chapter 3, starting at verse 3, and it says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, it says, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Well, then I've often asked my, uh, this question, very simple question for myself. Um, if the disciples lived before the cross, what was their salvation experience like? But when did they get, if I'm going to use Christian terms here, when did they get saved? After the resurrection. Just like we have. We look back to the cross. You know, Moses and Abraham looked forward to the Messiah or to the cross. They were faith for the Messiah. But we as Christians in 2017, and if I can say, from the moment after the resurrection... Every Christian from that moment up to today had to look back to an empty tomb and to a, an empty cross. Right? So at what point did they become saved according to New Testament uh, thought? So I would like to propose a thought. And I think this, I think this is cool. So I'm going to just share it this morning. John chapter 20. Jesus has come. He's rose from the dead. He's literally revealing himself to what the Bible says is over 500 people across the world. And he says this. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Interestingly enough, Isaiah chapter 9, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, literally gave away the part of the call of Christ as the Messiah, that he would be the Prince of Peace. That he would come, and how many know in this particular time of year, that's something a lot of families are looking for. That Jesus would come, not just as the Savior, as this little baby in a manger, but He would come as the Prince of Peace. In verse 20 it says, And after He said this, He showed them His hands and His side. In other words, He's saying, remember, the work of salvation is done. See it. Okay? And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent Me, I am sending you. And with that, He breathed. Greek word pneuma for the Holy Spirit on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, my question is, is I don't know how, scripturally speaking, even theologically speaking, what just took place there? To me, that's New Testament salvation. They got saved. They understood salvation. They understood at that moment that the Spirit of God came and took residence in them. That empowering, that infilling Spirit of God. Second thing is this, the disciples were baptized in the Spirit. Luke chapter 3.16, it says, John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming after me who is greater than I, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and in fire. One of the things I often share with people when they're struggling with this concept of baptisms, I say right there, there's proof that there's two. And I don't know about you, I'm so thankful for the tank that we had 
over here a couple weeks ago, and we baptized six people, and that was awesome. Woo! But can I say this morning, we need to be equally as excited about a baptism in water as, or as the baptism in the Spirit as we are about the baptism in water. Because most of us who've grown up in church get really excited about baptism in water. And we go, yay, you know, that's awesome. We have a party, everyone shouts and screams, yay, you know, they're taking steps of faith, that's awesome. And you know what usually happens when the baptism of the Spirit of God is talked about? We go, oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that's what we do. Now, we're not necessarily doing that out loud, but in our minds we are. Some of us even do it out loud, but I'm not going to say who. <laughs> All right. This row seven, seat three. Anyhow, okay, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But the point is, is that we've got to have an excitement for the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit as much as we do the baptism of repentance in water. That's good work, Cameron. Thank you. Yay. Hooray. Someone get the pom-poms out. I need to be, I need to feel pom today. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. These are some of the last words before Jesus left the earth. And he says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, no better time than to talk about the things of God than food. You know what I'm saying? That's all I got to say. Just an observation that I've personally observed throughout the years. Um, it says, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift, of my, for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water... Baptism of repentance. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Two different events, two different experiences, two different baptisms. Are we tracking here? I want you to catch this this morning. I actually shared this in the one-on-one -on -one class this past time, but I, but I think it's an appropriate season to share this thought. If we could picture right now, I know we don't have it, but if we did, and if I did multiple illustrations today, I would have done this. Picture, this is actually 16 feet high, right to the Joyce's below, and 18 and a half, almost 19 to the top. I want you to picture a 19-foot tree that is the width of the stage that goes right up to the top. I want you to picture that for a second, okay? And I want you to picture your favorite colors, your favorite decorations, you know, whatever that you would want to put on it, you know, all of those things that look, some of them that look very professional, and then the most important ones, which are the ones from your kids, you know what I'm saying? So you got all of the kids, you know, little decorations that you have to Father God on the and on the tree, and the lights, the light show is just fantastic, and you know, there's smoke at the top of the tree because the presence of God is coming down because he loves the tree so much, you know what I'm saying? And then at the bottom of the tree is this giant box with the most incredible wrapping paper, with the most incredibly gigantic bow on top, and you're looking at it going, oh, that is so cool. Daddy, when is it Christmas time? I want to get, I want to get it, Lord. Jesus described the Holy Spirit as the gift of the Father. The Father has placed that gift under the tree. It's the only one. And you know what most Christians do is we open it up and we get all excited and we look inside and we go, well, I don't know about that. I just don't, I don't know about that. You know, I've, I've seen some wacky things happen. So I don't want what's inside that box. And then we put the top back on it. We push it back under the tree. Can you imagine how the father feels when his kids reject the very gift that he sent? 
I don't know about you, but I'm like a child a million times over on Christmas. Every Christmas growing up, it wasn't about what happened to Craig or what happened to Kurt. It was like, let's get a video on Cameron. Because <laughs> he would go nuclear. What's going on? What's going to be under the tree? Come on, Mom, Dad, what do you got? And I've got my whole list, but please, I just wanted to be those things. And then you get these awesome surprises and you get so excited. And then no one sees you for the next six days. Because you're absolutely enraptured with this gift. And that's what I want you to do with the Holy Spirit this morning. Except don't limit it to six days. Every single day of your life. Every single day. Filling of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit every single day. How do I know? Because you can't live life without it. The church world across North America has figured out how to do church without the Holy Spirit. And it breaks my heart. Had an amazing, I shared this with the interns, and I can't remember who else I've shared this to. I may even shared it here. I don't know, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. But I had a lunch this, uh, two weeks ago with a pastor friend of mine in the city. And we got into this amazing conversation that I thought would be an hour-long lunch that turned into three hours, which was amazing. And we basically talked about what makes us Pentecostal. Because... For us, when we were talking, there's too many Pentecostal churches that don't look Pentecostal. And we know what we've done is we've created a form of church without Pentecost. Which reminds me of a verse that says that they, they basically want the form, but they deny the power. My life, up to the age of 22, was rather pathetic. Because everything I did was to strive to impress God. To strive to do His best. And the moment I got filled with the Holy Spirit at 22 years of age, oh my goodness, my life just turned it upside down. It's ridiculous. My life is completely different from that moment on. Totally different. But He didn't stop there. He said there's a gift. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when the gift shows up. I can just see him now. He's like, guys, are you sitting down? Boys, you sitting down. You ready for this one? They're like, yeah, Jesus. How will we know when, when that gift comes? You'll know. says, but is there any kind of thing like, you know, when you walked with us, we kind of knew. Like we knew that you would do this today, and then you'd go preach the gospel of this, and then you'd go heal the sick, and then we'd go and debrief and talk about what you want us to do tomorrow. We'd go heal the, you know, heal the sick and raise the dead, and that's really cool. And he says, no, I just want you to go wait in the upper room. And we're going to call it Deeper Worship Night. <laughs> but don't leave the deeper night until the Holy Spirit shows up. Like, okay, when's he coming? When you're in the room. What's he going to look like? You know, has he got Birkenstocks like you do and, you know, a big bushy beard, you know, something like that? Nope. How will we know? You'll know. When the day of Pentecost, the one version the New King James says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. I can honestly say this, that I've never understood wind until I moved to Kingston. And I have lost almost every car door on my vehicle parking outside of my parents' apartment 
in between two apartments that are 13 stories high with a crosswind between there that knocks over my children. I've seen Abby, like, <laughs> like trying to walk to grandma and grandpa's uh, you know, front door and she can't even walk straight because the wind is just pushing her over it. And I'm looking at that going, I think I understand the book of Acts a little bit better the moment I moved to Kingston. I don't know what it is in Oshawa, but it's not a great place, but there's no wind. So that's the positive of the dirty schwa. Everything else is negative. But it says, the violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Okay, you've never seen this before. You're hearing wind from inside a room with the door shut. It's so violent that they actually describe it in the Bible as violent. I don't know about you, but think of, you know, Hurricane, what was the one that hit in the, was it Maria? Whatever it was. So many of them, it was like five in a row. Picture the highest category of wind, category five of a hurricane. And it probably made that look like child's play. That comes flying through that room with the door shut. And then tongues of fire, little fireballs that just kind of land on top of people. And they're probably looking at it going, wow, this is like the beginning of earth, wind, and fire. After the love is gone. Sorry, that's not, anyhow. That was bad. That's all I could come up with today. I'm sorry, guys. That's, I've, been, I've been thinking all week about what, how can I bring in the 70s and 80s karaoke into my message somehow. That's all I could come up with. At least I didn't go Lionel Richie, Gary. Come on now. All right. But it says, and the fire separated and came to rest on each one of them. Can I say something this morning that I really caught for the first time in my life? It doesn't say that the fire of God rested upon all of them. It said it separated and had each one rest upon each individual. I want you to know today you're special. Even at the Holy Spirit moment where the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens, Jesus made each experience unique for everybody. So you have to understand this morning, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is unique for you. It may not be the exact same, exact same, exact same, every single feeling moment that someone else beside you had. But it's going to happen. Amen? And that all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Wow. That's awesome. How in the world can you have supernatural insight into a language you've never heard or spoken before in your life and have it in an instant? I don't know about you, but I get excited about those things because I look at that and I go, that is a supernatural event. That's a supernatural moment of God that is transforming something. Can I say this morning that one of the most exciting things for me when I read this is that they didn't stay in the upper room. It says they left. It says they went out. It says they actually did something with it. In other words, there was, there was purpose to the power. If we just talk about power all the time, that we become a miracle-focused, manifestation-focused, heebie-jeebie focused, hairs on the back of my head focused, all of those things, focus. But God says, no, take it. Let it be an empowering moment to empower you to that next step. Interestingly enough, the disciples just weren't born in the Spirit. They just weren't baptized in the Spirit. They were empowered by the Spirit. How do we know? Because Jesus gave it all away in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
And he says, but you shall receive power. The word dunamis, the English word that we would get dynamite from. I don't know about you, but if I'm out there preaching the gospel, throwing sticks of dynamite at people, that would just be amazing. We would see heaven and earth move, literally. Okay, it's awesome. Um, but you shall receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Acts 4.31, one of my favorite verses, and it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Oh, how many have ever seen someone touched by the Holy Spirit and they just start to shake? Ah, it's happened to me a bazillion times. It's talking about an experience with the Holy Spirit where He literally overwhelms you and it's a super on your natural. I don't know about you, but if you've ever stuck your finger into a light socket like I have, um, you feel something. I don't recommend it. Try to tell my kids that. Don't do that. Except I was far worse. I used a, a metal device like an X-Acto knife and I stuck it in. I don't recommend that either. Okay? Just want to make sure. But I want you to see something. The guy that this, is, this shaking is happening to, and it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The very guy that they're referring to is literally in this moment is Peter. This is the same Peter that before the cross denied him, wallowed in self-pity, um, is now the very same guy that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand the disciples prior to Pentecost. Prior to Pentecost, they were afraid for their lives. Come on, let's get real. That's why they all scattered. They were afraid for their lives. Number two, they denied Jesus. Number three, they argued amongst themselves as if that's going to help. After Pentecost, they were united, they were bold, and they were empowered to do the mission of Christ, and 3,000 people came to Christ in one day. And then day two started with a guy that's sitting on the road, you know, asking for money. And Peter and John come over to him and says, well, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Bing. That would be cool. I don't know about you, but that would be cool. Can I say this morning that God desires the same for you? To be born, to be baptized, and to be empowered by the Spirit of God. That is His desire for each and every one of you. So, how many have ever struggled to know the will of God? I want to declare this morning with full confidence, this is the will of the Father for you. To be born, baptized, and empowered by the Spirit of God to do the mission of Christ that He's called you to. Because without the Holy Spirit, man, it's just up to us. Woof! I don't know about you, but I can only come up with so many good things. Right? Can you imagine what a conversation with somebody is like, empowered by the Holy Spirit, where the prophetic flows and miracles flow and, and word of wisdom and word of knowledge, gifts of the Spirit flow, and you're absolutely reading someone's mail of which you've never met before in your life? That's awesome. I've had it many times. One of my favorite times of all time was a couple times ago when Gary, Pastor Gary was here and we were at uh, Boston Pizza and we had a moment with the waitress. It was just heavenly. Heavenly. He wants that for you. But what often happens with believers um, is this. So I'm going to show you this for a second, if that's okay. And... Um, I got some fun stuff that I brought with me today. Um, some of you will find this hilarious. Some of you will be throwing things at me. I don't know which one, but, um, <clears throat> but I hope that this makes its point, okay? 
and I'm going to do my best I can to kind of hold everything up, but this is you, it's empty, this is you before you come to Christ. This can be kind of a double analogy, this can be you coming to Christ, this, is, this can be you filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, and what often happens is the Spirit of God comes, and He fills you up, it's good, the Bible says in Acts chapter thir- uh, 3 that it's refreshing, that's good actually, yeah, that's good, I like that. However, there's times that happen and there's things that happen. I'm just going to put this down for a second. Where we are filled with the Spirit of God and we're touched by the Spirit of God. And we've, most of us have had those moments where we can honestly say we've been touched by the Spirit of God. But then as time goes on, and if we're not pursuing the things of the Spirit, if we're not actively pursuing that in our lives, then what happens is this stuff comes in and starts to take over. And so um, how many know that... Um, I'm going to see if I can open this up here... If I can, there we go. How many know what that is? Yeah, it's very bitter. And how many have ever had a moment where the Spirit of God touches them and then, and then experience happens and they start to become a little clouded with their vision? They, they don't see things right anymore. They, things just kind of sit down there. And then, of course, in church life, there's always those moments where where people are involved and you see other people that get touched by the Spirit of God and they get, uh, they get touched and they get excited and they get filled and you're seeing someone get you know, a, special, a very special touch of God and then of course we become green with envy. You know how that becomes. Um, and, uh, and jealousy and, we, and we, our view is even more clouded, which is crazy. Um, and then what often happens in church life, and I can honestly say that this is true in my life because this next thing perfectly describes me to a T, okay? Is, and some of you probably have already figured out what that is. Anyone have any idea? Vinegar, right? Oh, I forgot to take the top off. There we go. There we go. What's interesting about vinegar, if I were to pour it into a separate glass and just have it sitting there and you put a glass of water and a glass of vinegar beside it, you can't tell the difference. Oh, I can tell the difference. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Jesus. But sometimes you don't, you can't tell the difference between that one and this one until you get real close. And what often happens, and I can say this from my own life, is you know what stuck into my life after bitterness and after envy and jealousy and all those other things? Is pride settles in. And I can honestly say pride smells. And when you pour it in, Oh, man, that's bad. That is bad, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. Whew. Oh, that's, I'm going to keep it down here. Sorry, that's bad. Oh, that's awful. Pride stinks. And so what often happens is, is we look at this moment and we go, you know, we know we're, that we're still filled with the Holy Spirit, but, but it's only a little bit clouded. It's not too bad. It's like, yeah, I know there's some stuff in there and that's not good. But then you got people that come along that have anger management issues. You know what I'm saying? This is, uh, this is Frank's red hot sauce. And, and oh, Jesus, that's good too. Woo! Woo! That's amazing. And so, actually, honey, can you come here? Because I'm going to use multiple hands here. I'm going to get you to hold this glass up. I'm going to come on this side. Thank you. So, actually, I'm going to just put the top back on the other way. All right. Are you, I know, isn't that bad? Yeah, someone's got pride right in there. And, uh, and then Frank's hot sauce comes along. 
and they're angry. And have you ever met someone who's got more anger issues than the others? You ever met one of those people? You ever met people that, that you know, then are passive aggressive with you and then it only comes out about, you know, two years later and when they, when they let loose, it's like all of heaven just exploded? It's like a Kim, Kim Jong-un, like nuclear explosion with a Scud missile coming off the top of Japan. You know, I'm not talking about anything that's modern or anything like that, but some people just got so much stuff in there and they can't help it. And they just keep pouring it in and pouring it in and pouring it in. And then you start to see that things start to change. But how many know that with every moment, I need you to hang over this if that's okay. With every moment that you're trying to understand and live out the things of the Spirit and you're trying your best to live the things of the Spirit and this stuff is constantly coming against you, every moment, every once in a while, there's something that's very deep that hits you, whether it's addiction, whether it's uh, unforgiveness, whether it's all of those things. And what honestly starts to happen is this is what constantly happens. I'm just going to do a little bit more. There we go. And you know what often happens is, is then we come to a service and God speaks to us, and because we haven't necessarily dealt with this, we say, okay, now I'm ready to go out and win the world for Christ. And you know what happens? The only thing that you can do is to fill someone else up with what's in your cup. Stay there for a second. I want to read you a verse. <laughs> That's okay. You're beautiful, dear. That's awesome. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. It says, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourself and making music to the Lord in your hearts. What's interesting about this word, be filled, it literally means to be filled continuously, to be constantly filled to overflowing. It literally means to render full and complete, to fill to its fullest measure. It means to be nonstop and never-ending. And so what I want you to understand is that God's desire for your life is the moment that you not only come to Christ, but the moment that you have a baptism experience with the Holy Spirit, He doesn't just want you to have one moment with Him. He doesn't just want you to have two moments with Him. He wants you to literally be overwhelmed by the Spirit of God every single day so that when you have the ability to go out and to minister to those that are at your workplace that you know you don't have an answer to, you just keep every morning say, God, I'm going to fill up with Your Spirit and I'm going to just take it to another level because, Lord, I've got nothing to give I got nothing that I can do in myself. I have nothing left in me. I have no smarts. I've got no intellect that can blow them away. But Lord, what I do have is your spirit that is filling me up every single day of my life. Lord, I can't live a single moment without you. And then there comes a moment where you're filled with the spirit of God and you're overwhelmed and you're just like, Jesus, this is awesome. And then he shows you something that he wants you to do that you know in yourself you just can't. And you're like, but but Lord, you want me to go and lay hands on those people and believe God for healing? Yeah. I want you to go preach the gospel in that moment? Yeah. I want you to go to that funeral and spread hand to hand, foot to foot, just like the old prophet did in the Old Testament and call forth that dead body? Lord, I thought that was in the New Old Testament. We're New Testament Christians, Lord, so we don't have to do that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Anyhow, then you need something bigger. You need something better. You need something fuller. And you know what's awesome? It isn't anything different. It's just more. And that's the moment where you just say, Lord, all of me. Because I want the outpouring of my life to get on every single other person that I come in contact with. And what's so amazing about this now? Oh, that's good. 
That's good. Nothing bitter. Nothing broken. Nothing messed up. Nothing that's bad. Nothing that's inherently off. And this is what God wants in your life. To be constantly filled with the Spirit of God. There's far too many Christians that have their jar filled with a whole bunch of other stuff. And then you ask God and you say, God, why don't I see things happening in my life? Because the only thing that you can give away is something that will never, ever bring transformation. It may bring information, but it won't bring transformation. That brings transformation. Constant flow of the Spirit of God in your life. Do you believe that this morning? Frank Damasio describes the infilling of the Holy Spirit like this. He says, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is a specific, identifiable experience after salvation that marks the beginning of a life vitally connected to the Holy Spirit. The effects are immediate and ongoing. I love it. The effects are immediate. So what are the effects? I think it's good to know if we're going to trust God and believe God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning and for the infilling of the Holy Spirit this morning that we actually understand what those effects are. Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to read seven to you. Seven that I've come across. Seven that Frank Damasio actually talks about. Seven that I've read in a number of different books. But I'm going, to, I'm going to leave the best one for last, of course. That's what we're supposed to do, right? But the first one is this. A new reality of Jesus. Of His love for you. Of His love for others. And, uh, which ultimately produces a greater passion for Him. The second one is this. A new level of spiritual sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. To His voice to His desires, to His gifts. How many want that? Amen? Amen. Number three, a new illumination of God's Word. Understanding of His truth, revelation of His character, revealing of His ways. Four, a new sense of holiness and purity because the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The, the natural byproduct or reaction from our life is to be holy. Just as He is holy. It leads to a healthy fear of God. It leads to a desire to live right. It leads to decisions that will honor God. Amen? Five, a new power to share Christ with people. With boldness. With compassion. And with compulsion. I tell you, up until the time I was 22 years of age, if anyone ever said, okay, we're going to have the youth group come together, the young adult group come together, we're going to go out on the streets and we're going to share the gospel. I was sick that night. Do you know what I'm saying? I would never show up to those nights because then I knew I would have to say something about my faith to an individual. And I was like, I'm going to strategically not feeling well that night. And my mom would be like, hey, aren't you going tonight? Oh, no, I'm not feeling well. You know, just, you know, feel a little under the weather. Just can't do it. Can I say the moment the Spirit of God came into my life and I was filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time and I got zapped, there was a boldness that came upon me and I was like, I don't even know what I was doing. I'm like, I felt compelled. It's like God behind me, pushing me. Go do it. This is going to be awesome. Okay, Lord, what am I going to say? You'll figure it out when you get there. Sounds good. All right, so we go. Like before that, I'd be like, no. Rapture now. You know, that's what we'd feel like. But then the Spirit of God comes upon us, and we can see that with boldness, with compassion, with compulsion to share the, the message of the gospel with people. This is important for us because we're coming to Saturday where one of the most amazing moments we're going to have as a church to be in people's homes. We have an opportunity to pray with them. We have an opportunity to encourage them. We have an opportunity to represent Christ to people that don't know Him. What an amazing opportunity. Six, a new power to live in the Spirit, to develop the fruit of the Spirit, to be empowered to flow in the gifts of the Spirit, to learn how to be a carrier 
of God's presence. And last but not least, which is my favorite, save it for last, a new prayer language, tongues. Someone always comes to me and says, you know, you know I just don't understand the baptism of the Spirit and the whole tongue thing. And I said, hey, it's awesome. It's like a great pair of running shoes. Tongues always come with it. I don't know about you, but you need to run your race. And the only way you can run your race is baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. And you say, well, that's kind of bold. Yep. And my response is, if that's what changed the entire known world in Acts chapter 2, what makes us think we have a better idea? But if we just do smoke machines, oh, well, that'll bring them in. If we just have like ripped jeans and a hipster look, that'll just do it like a woohoo! And I go, you don't want to see me in skinny jeans, ripped jeans, or with a hipster look because that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Now, I'm not against anyone to be themselves. Be themselves, go for it, have fun. But what we've done is we've created a cultural norm that we think invites the presence of God. And my response is it doesn't. If we just create a culture, well, I'm at my... My response is, God wants hearts that are pursuing him, that are literally, when we pursue him, it's like throwing out the red carpet for the presence of God to come. That's what we want. Acts chapter 2 was an empowering encounter. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were filled, they were touched. Earth, wind, and fire, part 2. It's awesome. Holy Spirit outpouring uh, are always empowering. We're talking about this concept of outpouring. There was a constant outpouring on that cup. There's an outpouring that God wants to bring. We've had it in the last month and a half. It's been awesome. But can I say this morning, don't be satisfied with what happened at the last deeper. We got another one coming. And you know what's so awesome? You don't need a deeper night to have an experience. You can have it at home. You can have it in your car. You can have it in your office like I did yesterday. Didn't get much accomplished because I was on the floor half the time. But it's okay. It's good. Galatians 2.8 says, For he who worked effectively for Peter empowered him in his ministry to the Jews, also worked effectively for me and empowered me in my ministry to the Gentiles. Paul understood something. He understood even though he was not at Pentecost. He understood for his life and his walk that if he didn't have it, he was done. Interestingly enough, almost all the references in the New Testament to the Holy Spirit all come from Paul, who was not an original participator of the Pentecost experience. He understood because of what was passed down from church to church to church, from letter to letter to letter, that guys, you can do all those things, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're done. Acts chapter 19 proved it. For those that are taking notes, write down Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 6. Literally, a group of followers of Apollos come, and Paul says, have you ever heard of the Spirit, of the, Holy Spirit the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And he goes, I've never heard of that. We've only heard of the baptism of John through repentance. He says, well, I'm going to show you another one. And they're like, sounds good to me. Lays hands on them, prays to them, they get filled with the Spirit of God, start speaking in tongues, and start prophesying. I love it. I don't know about you, but I love that. Acts 13, 52, it says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Acts 14, 3 says, And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them the power to do miraculous signs and wonders. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do something that we cannot do. If I can say this morning, I have lived half my life without the awareness of the Holy Spirit in my life, and I've lived the last number of years with the awareness of the Holy Spirit in my life. The last set of years is far more exciting, much better. I want to end uh, with a little story, and then we're going to pray. And if you're in this place this morning, 
Um, worship team, you guys, you guys can receive this morning. We're just have a, uh, Amber and I have worked out a deal where she's got some songs she's going to play. But what we're going to do is we're at the end of this, we're going to literally turn this into an encounter room. So if you've got to go, you can go. We're just quarter after right now, so we've got another 50 minutes of just time with Jesus. We're going to make sure those doors are shut. If you want to talk to anybody, if you want to greet and meet with people, you've, one thing, no problem with that, just make sure you do it out in the hallway. But we're literally going to just turn this into a prayer room. We're going to turn this into a deeper night, if that's okay with you. And what we're going to do is I want you guys to seek God, and I want you guys to not leave this place until you feel like you've had an experience with the Holy Spirit. And if we're here till four in the afternoon, I'll stay. I'm serious. We just have to hit repeat on that thing and we keep going and I'm here for, until four in the afternoon with some of you because you're just believing God for something. I'm not going nowhere. Because I believe that my life was transformed by this thing. But I want to read this story. And in honor of my lovely wife who was a missionary, I'm going to read this story. A missionary was given a car that would not start without a push. How many have ever had those? All right. That was my parents' old Datsun. Anyhow, remember those? All right. Mm-hmm. A missionary was given a car that would not start without a push, so he always parked it on a hill or left the engine running or had school kids push the car to jumpstart it. After two years, he was being transferred from that mission station and was telling his replacement about the car. While he was talking, the new man looked under the hood and interrupted him and said the only problem was a loose connector. He tightened it up and the car started immediately. For two years, needless trouble had become his routine. The power was there all the time, only a loose connection kept the missionary from putting the power to work. Can I say this morning, Leonard Ravenhill has a great quote, and he says this, the world is not waiting for a new definition of Christianity, it's waiting for a new demonstration of Christianity. I don't know about you, but when I was 22 years of age and God started to touch my life and I started to cry out to God, one of the things that I cried out to him, and it was a very intimate moment for myself and I literally cried out and I said God I am sick and tired of playing the game called Christianity now you have to understand the scope of where I was at some days you can take that the wrong way but it's almost like Christianity had become a sandbox of just fun toys that I get to play with every once in a while but it wasn't my life I didn't understand it I didn't understand that it wasn't just about religion it was about a relationship and out of that relationship can, can, came an empowerment from God through the Holy Spirit to do the work of Christ on the earth. And up to that point, I had seen my life filled with a lot of duty and obligation and a lot of wonderful things and a lot of good friends and a lot of, a lot of good things. How many know that you've got a lot of good things in church communities? And I'm not taking away from the aspect of community at all. As a matter of fact, we need that. We need it. But we cannot do the mission of Christ in this city, in this nation, and in this world without the Holy Spirit. We just can't do it. Too many of us have become the people filled with this and good old Frank's hot sauce. Someone who likes that can take it off from the table before you leave. Um, so many of us are filled with just stuff that's not helping. And that's all we pass on to other people. But I feel like we have a moment right now where the Spirit of God wants to touch you in a significant way. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.